On today's episode, Dave interviews Michael McCarthy. Michael is a Second City alum who has written for Saturday Night Live, The Drew Carey Show, Mike and Molly, Who's Lying Is It Anyway, and Sesame Street. Michael created the Cat Laughs, Ireland's first comedy festival. He is married to Susan Messing, who makes a cameo in this podcast. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. The thing about, like, Joel Murray, you look at Joel Murray, whenever I see Joel Murray, I feel like... Oh, this is going to be, everything's okay. Yeah. <laughs> One yeah. thing, I would say he's about among the best improvisers I know, one of whom is Joel Murray, I think. And I, I and was reminded in uh, the end of May, this last, you know, four months ago, he was, came, we, George went and Bernadette and Joel and Katie Rich and I went back to Kilkenny for the 20th anniversary and I got to see how... 20th anniversary of the Cat Laugh Festival. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and he, I was reminded, oh, right. You, if I, I'm, there's nothing to be scared about. No, he's one of those guys that the way he just talks like this and he's trying to chill. Yeah. And, but not like Dell. Um, but he, he, he's chill and we stand around with his kind of glassy eyed, like, lower center of gravity thing. Uh, everything seems okay. He, in fact, he came up with uh, the way to, we, we, I don't know if it's a new form, but we did this kind of mini long form, which was the five of us each took a suggestion from the audience one at a time and did a monologue. Mm -hmm. And then we did 10 minutes based on that monologue. And it was his, and I, and we risked a lot. He like, and it worked great too, right. by the way. It was perfect. Uh, yeah, there's some people that you look at and you go, everything's going to be fine. Because when Joel's with you, he's with you. There's yeah. another person like that. Beltzman is, Mark Beltzman has turned into that person, in a way. He wasn't that person, he, and then he's turned into that yeah, person. Yeah, I'm... And, Which we all have. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not knocking Mark, but I'm going, as we've all gotten older, what's ended up happening was, we've all gone... <sighs> I think that a lot of what we learned, like... Um, is the basis of a lot of religions, like the make the other person look good and all that. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like all of us, you kind of become, you rely on it and kind of come back to it. That's exactly what I just talked to Jonathan Pitts about. The idea that um, all those things that, uh, all, all those things that we learn in improvisation, we have taken into our lives, or all those things we've taken in our lives, if we were transcended, now become part of our improvisation. And when, we didn't talk about this specifically, but when your art becomes your life, and life becomes your art, you realize that there is no firewall, or wall, or fence, or bush, or hedge between any of that, yeah. because it's all under the... It's only, it's only atmosphere of of creativity. Boy, without a bunch of hooey, I just said, but I think that I think. It, but <laughs> you know what I mean? The, yeah, I'm. I agree. I'm. Um, and you know, initially you go like early on. I think when I was studying with Dell for two years, you go, "Ooh, hang on." You get you get the beginning of, hmm, beyond what you're doing. Like this has ramifications, and then it just plays out. Like I mean, we do stuff because it works. You come back to it because it is it's it it works as a as a way of getting out of yourself, making the other person look good, you know, um, following the fear, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I don't think you have to, and yet I, I'm not, and yet what you're saying is absolutely right, and it's nothing that we go how how can I, I'm in a situation how do I what tools do I need to make this work? You just go oh it's the tools that I use each and every day in on stage 
is follow the fear, be in the moment, be present in the moment. And it's also all about the stuff that goes on in recovery too, right? Oh my God. And absolutely. Inventory. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I never, yeah, they all kind of cold, all the colors bleed into one. Um, and this is one of the reasons that I have trouble personally with religion because religion to me is a governor on the creative process because it's saying, well, yes, you want to do that, but no, you can't do that. Yes, that inspires you in a way, but it doesn't fit this thing. Um, and it keeps uh, whatever it is that you're doing, you need to be humble about it. Remember how, like, when we were in the touring company, that suddenly Second City Touring Company, yeah, the um. When uh, the real life Brady Bunch took off, mm -hmm. and it, it at the was, Annoyance Theater, right? It filled a kind of um, almost religious void in that group that was slightly younger than us, right? So I know how old you are. Yes, the, you know, like so. It was sort of like it wasn't. It it was beyond. It was otherworldly. The lines around the block for months, and Mick kept Mick Napier, founder of the Annoyance Theater, kept going. It's a joke. It's a joke. What was more? Right. Right. You know, and what, what I think now with the kind of mecca improv boom here, coming back to it after 19 years, coming back to Chicago. Right. 19 years. My God, you were in L.A. for 19 years. Or you were also in New York, too. Just no, LA. no. I was 93, went out. I was back for a year and a half working at Q101 here. Right. The radio show. So like a little, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, um, it's weird how you know, quadrupled, like Second City itself is kind of a metaphor. I remember Bruce Jarko saying, um, when I worked here, there were six guys that worked in the office and one was named Tony the Broom. You know, that was, the, you know, that's the difference between, so it's kind of, you can't, apples and oranges, it's like apples and a huge, you know, gigantic orange. Like. You left L.A. Oh, I way did, with my clothes on fire. I was, I really did, and I have no regrets. Do you have any, do you have many regrets, just in general? I do. I was thinking the other day, I was talking to a friend of mine in Milwaukee about how narrow-focused I've been, or, you know, was, about so focused on SNL, or, and I achieved those goals, and ultimately you Working realize, SNL. yeah, mm -hmm. you realize how hollow they are as, as a kind of, you expect them to solve everything, and they don't. Right. And you sort of, oh, the main So what are the regrets? That I wasn't more in the moment, like, and aware of the people around me. Could you have and, done anything differently? You know what I mean? Like, if you, if you were doing the best job that you could when you were doing that, do you understand what I mean? I, and, because I, I think about regrets a lot, and I know that you're, you're are you a lapsed Catholic or are you Catholic? Okay, I'm lapsed, yeah. Yeah, you're so. lapsed Catholic. And how much of the regret has to do... Okay, I'm going to put this in a, a different way. That it's You weren't airdropped into your life. The decisions that you made, you made those decisions. Right. It wasn't like you're going, I don't know what to do, I'm going to do that. Everything that you did is predicated upon that which you did prior to that. Right. All those actions that you did. So I never, again, I never understood regret. No, I, I mean, <clears throat> I think the thing is I missed out on uh, getting to know people deeper, um, taking advantage of people around me like if did I did you know how away, to do those things at that time I yes and no mm -hmm. there were times that I was cognizant enough lucid enough to take advantage and then there was other times that I was for instance I have an idea for a play if 
uh, one of the things, the author of Marvin's Room is a guy named Scott McPherson. I went to college with him. He and Kevin Burroughs and I, a lot of, we came to Chicago in 1981. There must have been six or eight of us that lived in a house on West Berry, Berry and Broadway. I mean, I, I remember rent being less than 100 bucks a month. It was one of those, like, crazy... <laughs> you know, on a par with the gold rush or some, you know, where sleeping in shifts and all that. And I remember the snoring. And yeah. 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 And and hammocks. Like, no, the plumbing not working. So we shaved at the restaurant at the corner. And, mm -hmm. um, but, uh, Scott was always Marvin's room guy, Marvin's room. Yeah. Scott mm -hmm. McPherson. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, I've thought a lot about Scott and is that he would always, you know, I was always kind of putting together this SNL portfolio and excited about that. And he among the only person, cause he was more Goodman theater, you know, not, he, he had been with the IO actually, the improv Olympic. He was on our improv team. I think we were called stray dogs, but he would always go, why do you want to do this? Mm -hmm. That's a horrible show mm -hmm. where like the rest of us were, so programmed to like, why do you want to do the IO? Why do you want to do this improv thing? No, why do you want to go to SNL? Got it. Why, got it, got you, it, got why it, got are it. you right. killing yourself right. to do this? Interesting. And uh, it just, I was never asked that. You know, like you just, our little tribe, particularly at the entry level, you just kind of focus on the goal without, so the, you know, like razor. So that's what I, you know, is the idea of there's lots of stuff going on around us. You know, and the idea of, like you were sort of alluding to, you're, you, either you have the tools or you don't at a given moment. But the, there is a kind of sliding variable of awakeness and asleepness. Mm -hmm. and I guess I wish I had been more but awake. But you couldn't, you couldn't, you, you couldn't. You I know what I mean? But what I can do, particularly like my stepdaughter Sophia teaches me this, and is... Attempt to be awake now, you know, like be more... Attempt to be awake or be awake? I, well, at least grow in, in toward that direction. Mm -hmm. Can you be partially awake? Or I, I think you're either awake or you're not awake. I think you're either alert or you're not alert. Oh, I think there's... I mean, in my life, I've experienced gradations of it, you know, like... Uh -huh. Like I'm, I have periods of... I took Transcendental Meditation in high school... And did it for three years, mm -hmm. you know. Got it. And then I, you know, I'm, I, there's been times that I've been drunk every day. Right. And I'm no longer. So, I mean, the, those, you can monitor those numbing things. Mm -hmm. Got it. You can, when you say monitor, do you mean you can be numb and yet be on top of that, be a, still be riding the, the well, numbering? One of the, the things, like, to get really heady um like with um the allegory of the oh i think it was plato the allegory of the cave where they're all chained looking at reflections of a fire that's behind them so mm -hmm. they're looking at reflections the on the wall, and they think that's reality mm -hmm. and then one person escapes goes up and goes no the sun is it's amazing and they kill him which is a recurring theme in american uh, world lucidity right yeah. So it's that kind of like, hang on, you know, all oh, this is so soothing. Wait a minute. This is the same pattern. Right. You know, looking back and then kind of becoming dis-ease, you know, experiencing dis-ease. Right. Or in my case... But when you say, did you say experiencing, experiencing dis-ease? 
disease. Not yeah. disease, but disease. Yeah, not Got ease. Um, right. And then you, that's the sort of, the you know, the door, the doorstep before resolution is sort of like, I'm, why am I uncomfortable? Got it. Oh. Yes. This yes. Is not yes. Right. Yes. This is antiquated. Like, I, um, you know how, there was a thing at Second City where we both worked. There's like a moment where you go, oh, this is over. Right. A very distinct. I mean, right. I talk to others. Oh, I'm done. Right. Right. Some people linger. There was I a know. woman that was there. Do you want to deny it? What's that? You want to? Ooh, well, look, it's it's what I've always said. Uh, where after you reach a point where you 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 aren't accepting your truth, then what you have to do is pretend to feel the feeling you were feeling prior to feeling the new feeling that you're feeling. So there's that. <laughs> you go. How do I do that? And some people are going. Ah, oh, you know what? I'm going to fake enjoying this, which is what ends up happening. But underneath that is the bitter, like you'll learn. And it's like, what's with cynical Joe over there as opposed to Tony the Broom? So it's that <laughs> idea of going, like, of, of saying, yes, you're done. Somebody sent me something today, and today has just been just a day. I've gotten, you know, I'm going through a breakup, or I went through a breakup, I've broken up, and there's, this is still lingering. This woman's still bringing stuff into my life. And somebody wrote, uh, somebody sent me something that said, when you find yourself in someone else's story, leave. <laughs> 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 which I think is so great because that's what happened with that relationship like I'm in your story you know what I mean I'm not I'm it's like that's your story and my mother this morning we had breakfast and she was kind of ch chilling me down on that too she goes when you look in the mirror know that you're the guy in charge you know when you look in the mirror that person that you're looking at that person's in charge yeah. so when we when we outlast our when we outlast our welcome or whatever that phrase is Outlast our welcome. When we outlast our welcome, it's time to go somewhere else where we what where we're where we're welcome. And and also challenged. Like I think that was the thing with for me was like Hmm. LA. I, LA was never, ever a good fit. Ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uncomfortable. Didn't realize it. What made you uncomfortable? Um I think the degree Oh, that's a really good question. Let me try to be Work-wise, I don't think it's good work. Oh my God, Michael, it's not. That's what that's what your your friend Marvin's room author was saying. Yeah, I mean, it's not good work. I mean, particularly, I mean, I'm sure that like Joss Whelan and there are moments. Well, Keegan, uh, Keegan and uh, Jordan, uh, Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peele. I like the work that they're doing, but there's certain work that I go. It's not for the most part. This work is not good work. If and if you're working on a staff, for instance, there's two. You know, why, why does a staff stay late? It's either out of love for what they're doing or absolute fear of being fired. Right. And I think all of the staffs that I worked on in L.A. were deathly, the fear was paramount. Mm -hmm. Fear ruled. Mm -hmm. Like a Roman galley, that mm -hmm. kind of... And, and, it, and it really, for sensitive... And our training, which is yes and, like you kind of go, that really doesn't fit in that sort of stand-up-y, almost stock market screaming that you do. Right. And, right. I, and I just recoil. Like I lost it in working on Mike and Molly. I, I was a combination of survival skill kicked in as well as protecting my head, you know, uh, and complete freezing up of ideas because when you essentially 
you can't, when you make a situation that you can't fail in, you can't say anything stupid, you can't look bad, you can't be embarrassing, you do nothing but access mediocre, safe things that you've already done. And I think that's the nature of television now is the ceiling that the most you can attempt to achieve is mediocre because it's so, you know, the boss is coming home to dinner or the or jury duty or we bachelor office. It's our anniversary or yeah. and that, you forgot the birthday. And also, right? I think personally, a lot of that is tied into politics because, you know, and the apolitical idea of not offending anybody. Right. And you also, the people in charge in Los Angeles, studios and networks are, and I think this is to the heart of the matter, are lawyers and accountants that are so hardwired to think in terms of precedent mm-hmm. that new ideas are just fucking dangerous. Right. They just can't, there's no category for them. So, of course, we're going to do Harry Potter 4 because 1, 2, 3 did so well. Or we're going to remake Father of the Bride. Right. Or, you know, and rather than something new. Right. Which is, I remember we did a thing in, at the I.O. in, Los, in uh, the I.O. West, the theater in Los Angeles. We did, for four years, we did Big News Thursday nights. And there's a couple of things I remember. And it was a... So Big News, big news is a, a, a satirical news program. Right. It was news-driven sketch comedy. Right. And... Uh, I loved it. It was I thought my niche. That, like I thought that I, th- I thought it was kind of what I was built to do, and so I kind of produced this thing every week. Crazy. We had a writing staff and a group of actors, and we did a new show every really week. Really committed people. Yeah, really awesome. Mm-hmm. But I remember Doug Caro, who worked for Conan, um, doing this wonderful sketch, where he he would always kind of he was a ticket taker. Like the, he would just kind of. People would separate, and he would be taking tickets, and he would just kind of describe how insane the choices of movies at the Herpes Simplex was, you know. And he, then, and it always ended with him going, "I have scripts, I have ideas." <laughs> you know, this like pleading right. guy in his mid twenties going, "We, I, I know how to do this." Right, you know? right, right. Which I just thought that, in essence, the microcosm of the macrocosm that was kind of like perfect. In a I, sense. I've been watching Breaking Bad, and uh, I'm in the fifth season. And so I'm behind it. You've, saw, you've seen oh it. Oh my god! Um, I'm, behind, I'm behind. I'm not behind. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> um, and um, and then and now I see that Vince Gilligan, mm-hmm. that's his name, right? Uh, is doing a show on CBS, and I thought, why? Why? What what could that then you give you? A couple of things surprised me because well, you know, seduction by huge truckloads of money for right. one but the i he always struck me as somebody not easily seduced by that that's what know? i'm that's why i'm asking why so maybe there's artistic freedom as well and right or or right you would hope show, so or, what's that is it odenkirk's show called oh no no it's some other show it's something else with two cops who are both doing things their way it's like Crusty really that's the name of it that's the name of it is it called lethal weapon because that sort of seems like what that is um, um, but I can't imagine do you remember in Network the movie Network sure. um, uh, what's her name I forget the actress's name she's on Two and a Half Men 
she was in development in the movie. And yes. Has all these things on her desk. Yes. A crusty yet benign police detective is befriended by an dog dog star. <laughs> Fuck! You know, it's like... Everything's crusty yet benign. Yeah. It's like crusty yet benign 1975. Blank. Exactly. But, all, but you watch that movie now and people go, yeah, so... And I go, what? But did you see? And that's You're why. Right. I, I, reality TV is basically what he's doing at the end with the soothsayer right. and all of it. Right, right, right. And, and a 19-year-old Tim Robbins shoots him. Oh, that's right. From the audience. Yeah. A 19-year-old Tim Robbins. Uh, I was watching. And, and, but all that stuff, you go, I, I, I stopped giving a shit that I didn't have an agent in L.A. I just stopped. I just stopped because I felt like there's no show that's worth my soul right. to for, worth for me boiling my soul over a hot in a hot pan so that I can get a line going. Here's your bags, Mr. Reynolds, and going, Mr. Ba here's your bags, Mr. Reynolds. I'm upset about that. I'm obsessed yeah. with my phone about here's your bags, Mr. Reynolds. Go fuck yourself. I we were. I remember we had the same. We were on a callback for a show called. I forget what it was called. For your love, I think. You and I? And it was like exactly that for both of us. Mm -hmm. And I remember like in the corner going, oh my, both of us commiserating. Like, like, I don't holy fucking fuck. care. <laughs> I don't care. So when you do things like when you get a show like uh, where you say the, you were built for that show, uh, you know, the show that you did at IO, um, I get it. For yeah. me, I was built for that which I am doing right, right. now. Yeah. Traveling around the world, doing podcast, this podcast or whatever podcast, we're in Chicago, and right now coming to Chicago, wherever I'm going to be, it's like, oh, I want to talk to that person. Or I just came back from Miami, I'm on my way to San Francisco, I'm in Chicago, I'm on my way to San Francisco, then I come back, then I go to London and, and Dublin, or Dublin and London, and then I come back, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to all these places, and that is what it is that is what I am here for right and to go I could fight that I could fight that need to go you know what I'm going to get the right part it's going to happen it's going <laughs> I would say that's the oh my god those are reflections like that's the moment of like you know if you're in the cave and there's a fire behind you you're going wait this isn't real mm -hmm. right that and I think that dis-ease is and for me, there's a couple of things that anticipated my, first of all, reconnecting to Susan, who I love more than Susan Messing, your wife? Yes. Mm -hmm. I have, it took three times, but I'm, I'm very happy. And, mm -hmm. uh, but my dad passed away right. when I was working on Mike and Molly, and right. I just went, oh, this so doesn't matter on a level I don't have adjectives to describe. Right. You know, and then... Um, uh, a friend of mine, Frank Payne, passed away. Right, a young man, younger right. than me, had a heart attack. Uh, right, whose life was not very healthy. No, so no. he was looking. So that's his issue with his life. Right, and also you know dreaming of that big part and all that. And then Danny Breen got colon cancer, stage four. Right, and it was sort of like, oh my God, I could fuck around here for another ten years, maybe periodically get something. Right, you know, uh, uh, writing. A script on who dropped the soap or whatever. That's the one I always use. I use who dropped the soap. That's the that, that's the that's the TV show I always use. Well, where do we both come up with who dropped I the think soap? The source of all things is Emo Phillips. I think that's I don't ever remember him saying it, but you said it, and I've always said the TV show Who Dropped the Soap. Yeah. That's awesome. Anyway, you could spend the rest, the rest of your life like like chasing the Who Dropped the Soap TV show. So um, the thing to me is. Um, 
and I, I'm, I'm sort of on the same page with you about like these exciting things. That, one of the things, I interviewed Bob Odenkirk last fall mm -hmm. at DePaul. For what? Just, just he, in front of everybody? Yeah, he was shooting, um, uh, he came in from uh, Nebraska. He was in the middle of shooting Nebraska. Uh -huh. And he, he spoke to like... Uh, Alexander Burnett. Payne movie. Right, right. right. And he spoke to, I guess, Leo Burnett guys in the morning, and then he spoke to DePaul in the afternoon. And Bob... Second City alumni. Alumni, and also very much his own, you know, like him and Robert Smigel, and also my ex-wife Jill. Right. Created All You Can Eat in the Temple of Doom, right. which was revolutionary. Oh, right. At the I theater building. The theater building, right. Yeah, in the mid-80s. Right. They yeah. were making, they made their own thing, which I think is amazing. But but also the people who, uh, Art, Ruth, and Trudy, those guys, uh, who's that? Um, uh, what is it? Art, Ruth, and Trudy, that was a show at the um, at Briar Street that was oh. done by Practical Theater. Oh, right, 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 right. Which right. was Richard Kind and... Tom Virtue and uh, um, Brad Hall, Gary. Yes, Kroger. exactly, exactly. Julia. Yes, Julia Louis Dreyfus, right? I saw them in ETC. Right. Year, the year they were hired. But those guys doing their own thing too, right? So you're interviewing Bob. You were but, saying that. Oh no! But I was just talking about how. But Bob, he was. I guess he went to SIU, Southern Illinois University, Carbondale. and he had. He did an interview with Dell. He came up to Chicago mm -hmm. through Joyce. And interviewed Dell, and uh -huh. uh, my access to Second City was while I was in college as well. And he he said something which is probably helps us, which mm -hmm. is here was Dell, probably in his mid fifties, mm -hmm. saying with ideas and ideas for the future, things that he was going to do, things he was going to put together. And Bob thought that was phenomenally life affirming, and I thought that's right. Keep. Fucking going. Like, How do you stop? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I mean, he was talking about his dad and other people in Got it. Aurora. You know, the, where right. they just kind of like, oh, gold watch. I'm going to yeah. fish. You know, and I, I think part of maybe the energy, the you know, the the excitement is also the the calling to continue. Don't you feel that you are now, I mean, for very various reasons for you, because it's some, a number of them which you just mentioned, don't you, I mean, don't you feel that you are now on a roll? Don't you think that, you, that, that there's a prime that you are experiencing I've, right now? I, I, I'm, to be complete, I've never, ever been happier. I, I just am, um, I think part of it is being, beginning to see the puzzle pieces and putting stuff together. Um, be, um, having a reputation like at I.O., also at Second City, and in Chicago generally, that people trust me to complete stuff. So there's a kind of like, I have relationships that are years old. I moved every two years growing up. I, and this is new, like with Susan. I've known Susan since Cross Currents. Right. Uh, 82, 83, 84? Yeah. 87 is when I saw co-ed prison sluts at Cross Currents. And I met Mick and Susan the same night. That's an annoyance production, right? Right. And, yeah. and they were, it was before the Broadway theater. The, um, the show on the, the theater, on Broadway, theater on Broadway. Broadway Avenue. Broadway Street, a, whatever it's Broadway. Yeah, as opposed to the new one, which is yeah. kind of back 
in its old neighborhood, yeah. in a sense. Yeah, um, but you're talking, but right now you're talking about accomplishments, but I want you to talk about what's underlying all that. Those are things like where you say, people know you, there's a reputation, you've had these relationships, but there's also something else that's going on underneath that, that actually those things are the tip of the iceberg. But underneath that is also a confidence that you have yeah. that also includes, if I, if I may, um, that also includes a thing where you go, oh, that shit that I was worried about, that shit that I spent a lot of energy yeah. on, fuck all that yes. shit. And because when I'm doing that shit, I'm missing out on that woman over there who I'm eventually going to marry yeah. uh, or, or that project. You, where you could be more, that's exactly right. And the, idea, and the only way to kind of have that confidence and access that information is to go through it. My parents have passed away. What else matters? Like you go... There, there was a kind of freedom to that, and there was a huge mourning. I'm still getting over my dad's death. My mom was 10 years ago. My dad was 2010. Um, and you, I, I mean, you, you, you get over those things when you get over them, but the idea is that this so doesn't matter. Right. On a level, I can't, you know, and the idea of making, like particularly the system, the military system of a sitcom staff, the need to crawl inside the showrunner's head and regurgitate ideas that would be consistent with sometimes a very misogynist, homophobic, racist person is just, I can't do it. I can't even listen to four camera shows now because of just that rhythm of like, funny thing, more funny thing, really funny thing, you know, in the end, you know, that kind of debasement of what we know. Like, the weird thing is like, when being on stage, and being all over the world, like right. so, you're it's resonating. It's not like just a Chicago thing, right. you know. It's like London and Dublin or right. wherever you're going, and you kind of go, okay, I'm not crazy. This is not, you know, the Emperor's New Clothes. This is not. This is it. This is authentic. Authentic. This is happening. Yeah. This and, is happening, and it's also happening because I've gone. <gasps> yeah, and allowed it to come in. Right, like, because those things that were blocking that the conduit of. Yeah, that were that were blocking the that were blocking the flow within the conduit. Those things were that fucking doesn't matter. And I remember an agent calling me up during Quickwits of all things, <laughs> uh, the show that was a pre, uh, that was during the time of like Who's Line, but it was whatever it doesn't matter. That I produced. Did you produce it too? I did. Yeah, you and yeah. I produced on that job. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, uh, and and in the middle of it, and my agent calls me up and says, "Oh look, sugar, we just can't get anybody to open up your envelopes with your picture in it." And I'm like, what are you saying? I'm in the middle of doing something. It's like I think we're gonna let you go. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. All right, good. Um, just throw out my photos. And I hung up, and I was like, fuck those pictures. I'm not interested in any of that. Yeah. And I remember going, ha. Ah. I also remember auditioning for a play. In, and I remember thinking, what am I doing in my life? And I was making so much money on commercials, and now it's all dried up because I did whatever. So I remember going and auditioning for a play, and it was The Master and Margarita that oh. uh, Michael Franco, right? Oh, awesome, Dave. That was just one of the best experiences in the theater I've ever I'm not kidding wow I sat in that because you had that it was basically two row it was really an interesting setup mm -hmm. it was amazing it was an amazing experience it, and, and it changed me because at that moment thank you Michael oh, it you changed me the, what was that line you <laughs> had? oh you found the ointment 
I right. remember that. <laughs> it was absolutely. It, it was such a great play with so many great actors in it. And I thought, oh, you know what? I'm not a struggler. I'm an actor. And part of my acting is the passion that I have. But I'm not here to fucking struggle over that dumbass, where's the soap show? <laughs> I'm not here to struggle over like any of that stuff. And none of that shit fucking matters anyway. Yeah. Now, if I was to make money at it, I would be making money at it. If that was what I was built to be, that's what I would do. Like Carell was built to be that. Colbert was built to be that. Amy was built to be that. We're all built to be that, which is what it is that we're doing. Yeah. But we've got to find that thing that we're built for yeah. by experiencing things that we weren't built for. Yeah, yeah. So looking the, at the shadows yeah, isn't yeah. hopeless. Yeah, yeah. No, looking at the, the shadows on the cave wall. It's process. Right. And, and, and can be loads of fun. And there's also, I mean, some of the things are, you know, are, they can be distracting. Like you can go, because it's not, I'm not bad at sitcom right, staff right. Like I, it's sort of like, Roller skating versus ice skating. If you can ice skate, you can roller skate. But if you you can't ice skate, if you you know it's not reversible. So like I can do that. Mm -hmm. Like you just have ten thousand sitcoms and you're regurgit. In fact, I think that's what's wrong. Is there's lots of really good regurgitation. I call it mad cow disease. Mm -hmm. We've been, you know, eating and shitting out the same jokes for seventy five years right? or whatever it is and. Right. And with tiny variations. And the thing is that the, I think the, what you're talking about with the conduit are real ideas, like personal ideas. Like what I tell my students is you're, you're bad at assessing the marketplace, like trying to second guess what they want. The people that are good at it are bad at it, you know, like trying to anticipate an audience or all that. The best thing you can do is get in touch with your point of view. Right. And that's a process. Like, you can't, it's not like you can sit and look at a fire and go, what do I think? I think it's active. Right. You know, actually writing, like Flannery O'Connor said, I don't know what I think until I write it. Right. And that, you know, and, or improvise, like you, like, where did that come from? Oh, right. I had no idea I had that anger. What, all of that. Right. Is like action <clears throat> as opposed to, hmm. Right. I tell, I've been working a lot with point, point of view. I've been working with a lot, a lot of it because I don't think people teach it in improvisation. Right. They go, okay, we're going to finally then go up and then go up as opposed to what's your idea? Carl, you're late. That's your point of view. Your point of view is, Carl, you're late. You're not on time. You should have been here at 9. You're not here at 9. It's 9.35. Where were you? We all missed you. Ah, what just happened? Your point of view changed. You said you missed me. That's your new point of view. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hold on to the person. The hold on to that. Yeah, go deeper. But you. Go, but here. But I think it's go deeper. But it's also recognize it, because I don't think that people recognize it. You know what I mean? That this is my point of view. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I'd like the the funny thing too about you know like there is a group of people and I, and God bless them in my classes, that. I just want to work, you know, and so they'll reduce all of the pageantry of life mm -hmm. into I just want to work, right. you know. So if they, right. if suddenly there's an opportunity to work on, you know, who dropped the soap? Hi, <laughs> my favorite show. My, Hi. Well, and Dave was saying he's he. Where did we get it? Because he uses who I use who dropped the soap, soap too. So as, as the, the messenger, as the um, 
you know, the archetype of horrible. Well, on the archetype of horrible television shows. Yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> and I said, I think, I think I've stolen it from Emo. But I don't, I don't ever we... remember Emo. I never heard Emo say it, because I, I don't think I've ever seen Emo. Who dropped the soap just must be the, like, we super glued ourselves together, or I've lost my contact. But it's specifically of, who of dropped the soap. Sitcoms. Yeah. Of sitcoms. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just that horrible, homophobic, quality of the mid 70s or 80s or something it, it 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 does seem to be that but it could also now i'm thinking maybe it's a mick thing uh, uh who dropped this well soap. maybe we should write one that's the- oh my god <laughs> a prison a pr- it would be a, a prison <laughs> I mean, if they keep popping up, it's sort of like the, hmm. right. The universe it's is telling us something. Who dropped the soap keeps popping up. I was just telling. It was a mid-season replacement on Fox. Oh my god! Always. Oh my god! It's always a mid-season replacement. My mom. The one in my screenplay, Dave, is the Jagoff. Oh. A sitcom and called the Jagoff. What does he keep doing? He keeps like, like he'll like pee over a balcony, and then somebody will go. Down. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you're such a jag. Mrs. What are you looking at, Mrs. Dombrowski? You're such a jag. And then, it, and then it's, that, it's that like, <laughs> what can I do? <laughs> jag is one of those Chicago words, right? Yeah, fucking jag That's why they. I was. He's he's teaching, and he has, he goes back to LA to work ten days on as a consultant. Awesome, awesome, <laughs> awesome. There was some. There was something that I saw online. Some band, a Chicago band, has a. Don't wig out your jag bag is their new album. <laughs> Don't wig out you jag bag. Oh my god! Don't wig out you, you jag, jag bag. bag. Oh, it's such a Chicago oh, thing to say. That's awesome. you go, Don't wig out your jag bag. It's almost like with My Fair Lady, where you can almost spot the neighborhood that it came from. You know, like the way it's said. Well, Canaryville. You know, yeah, or right, right. Like. Well, for some reason, Jag Bag. Uh, I had, I just did, a, I just, uh, Susan and I just did this, uh, we just did this workshop. And there were two people in this workshop. Uh, this guy named Bill, Bill, and this woman named Gail. Now, Bill, I was looking at Bill, because I worked with him in a, in a workshop earlier. And I, I stopped him, and he's a middle-aged guy, late middle-aged guy. And I stopped him, and I said, okay, uh, listen, um, you were an electrician, weren't you? He's like, yeah. I said, you need an electrician, right? He goes, yeah, how'd you know? And I thought, you are my dad. <laughs> my dad's a union electrician. And Gail, who's a blonde woman, she talked like this. You know, she was that, you know, she, why didn't you come over here? She should have told you to come over earlier. Stop and you're like, my oh, mask. But I loved her. <laughs> I loved her. And coming back to Chicago, you're hearing that shit. Oh, man. Wait, I- Gail? Yeah, blonde hair Gail. Oh, she had such a Chicago accent. But it was so funny because last night she was regal. Yep. Yep, she dresses nice. She cleans up well. She cleans up good. So it's, it must be day of day. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're oh on TV. So don't change the channel. No, I'm taping something upstairs as in two guys are here to take me. Oh, no kidding. Oh, I see. Very nice. Including my friend Jack Farrell, who's alive. Oh, I liked him in all those pirate movies. Are we talking about the same person? <laughs> yes. The, Jack Farrell. Yes, right. Jack, the Jack Keith Farrell. Richards. Of... Jack Farrell. Uh, the, the, idea of following your, your, the idea of following your point of view, the idea of knowing your point of view, the idea of saying, because I, I, I've said this before in the podcast where I feel like I want to tell people when they come to L.A., listen, before you get an agent, before you do any of that, there's this thing called expectation. <laughs> Fuck that. All right. Second off, what do you think it is that you're going to be doing? You're not going to be doing that. You're going to be doing something else. My fa- my mom, uh, you want to hear God laugh? Tell him your plans. Right. 
or I think the Hebrew is man plans, God laughs. Yeah. But I, I, I really agree with that. That's, and I think what I was saying earlier about missing out is like, I kind of bullied my way. I never was a bully, but I was so focused and, you know, on a couple of things and it's kind of like, and you're right, I didn't have the tools to even realize it, but all around me were these blossoming kinds of opportunities. But you and weren't ready to see well, those I, either. I, I, I absolutely And agree. here's another thing. Your flower blossoms at a different time than everyone else's. Yeah. But, yeah, in comparing, Rousseau said, comparison is the death of society. And Clearly. I, and I, I think expectations in L.A., like what you were saying, is our resentments in the works. Because, like, if you're so, <laughs> you know, that... And, it's the resentment nursery. Yeah, but, like, hey, wait a minute. Where's my... It, it's in the pamphlet. I'm supposed to become a showrunner. Tim Meadows and I used to do a, a blackout where we stood on stage for, like, an awkward... 60 seconds like at a bus stop and he finally quietly looked at his watch and went where's my sitcom <laughs> it was one of those like tests as improvisers like how long can we go with exactly <laughs> like, oh i've been working on that scene um uh and and then you look at tim you look at timmy and you go look at the career that he's had he's had he's at this i mean he was at snl for how long nine 12 years, years nine years whatever it was then he went and did that movie uh or maybe during the middle of that i don't know um, but he's had a lot of projects where he's doing this, doing that. And now what is he doing? He's doing stand-up. And what does he love? He loves doing stand-up. So he, we, and he's got to be 48, 49. He's got to be near 50, right. doesn't he? If Label's 50, if Richard Label's 50, I haven't mentioned in a sitcom and uh, in, in, in a podcast in a while. If Label's, Label's 55, he's my age, 55. Uh, Timmy's got to be around that. So, yeah, I think so. At least 50. We'll right. And you go, Isaac Bishop is singing. They say he didn't sell his first novel until he was 57, 58, whatever that was going to be. I don't know that to be true. Maybe it's apocryphal. But I do know this, that going back to all that of saying, you know what? I have never been clearer than I am right now, yeah. which I think is the reverse of what a lot of people do in their lives, which is say, when they're younger, they know what it is that they're going to be. And then as they get older, they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, have a look at those people the second half of their lives. Usually, Who are we talking about? Anybody. You know, mm -hmm. like you're so, you know, like the, um, I got 1600 on my SAT and I got into this and then I got into this. Then, of course, I had a nervous breakdown and now I make wallets. Right. And, you know, or, and not to disparage wallet making, but the idea is a lot of times you, you, what you want or what I, in my limited experience, I do not ever want to be the cheerleader looking through the yearbook going, remember... You know, I, I, right. I want to be, like you were saying about, I don't want to be in your story. Right, right, <laughs> you know, like right. Like actively building the next thing, making another interesting chapter in the autobiography or something, rather than... Have you written a book? Oh, no, it's funny, Susan. I have the beginning of, like, I have these four classes, talk show, SNL, sitcom, and pilots, mm -hmm. and I have handouts for each week of eight. So I have essentially... 32 chapters yeah. and I should it and it wasn't like the whole comedy lab which I created thanks to James Grace at the Iowa, at Iowa in right? Los Angeles yeah who I'm forever grateful for God so I, many so so much he's a curmudgeon but he's oh, a uh, he's a beneficent curmudgeon I would love I think his time has come like I think he could evolve into this 
not the crazy neighbor next door, but like he could easily become because he's got phenomenal timing. Like, oh my God! I worked with him for two weeks up at uh, California State University, the, the, the <laughs> working with him there, and he was just like, he was so, like his his asides are like, are you kidding me? Yeah, like, yeah, kidding yeah, me? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't even do that. It's like, yeah, that's gonna work out. But oh this, like, this kind of grew up around me. It was sort of like, because I'd worked at SNL, mm -hmm. so I did this four-week workshop, and then it just became eight weeks, and then I realized nobody could write jokes, but to do a talk show portfolio teaches you that, and then it just evolves, and I, I feel like that, you know, with a little bit of effort. Right. Basically, shift F seven or whatever. Like suddenly, it's a book. Like do it, do it, idiot boy. That's the whole thing. Because I'm waiting for me. I got the same thing. Where I got, I have probably ten lectures, yeah. and then some guy did this thing. Bob Coges did this. Did this. He he, he took a lecture that I did at, in Oak in Oakland, California, and I don't know him. It was online. I don't know him. And he did this thing called a mind map, and it's just caricatures of everything that I've said put in a three foot by two foot poster, and it is gorgeous. It is fucking gorgeous. And when I'm looking at it going, wow, this, at first it hit me, and I'm like, I don't know who this person is. He did this for me, and yeah. I started crying Aww. in this restaurant because I, you know, I saw it online. And then I realized, wait a minute, these are all chapters. Everything that he said are chapters that I could easily put together. But it's that do it, you idiot. Yeah, yeah. And that's the difference between somebody who writes a book and us. Right, right, right. For now, the one thing I would say is, um, it, it, the, particularly if you're a visual thinker, you need like an inciting incident like that where you go, oh, like because there's a kind of storytelling energy that is a part of, I think, our teaching, like my teaching. Like, I really love it. Way love it, you know. And, and so then you sit down to try to translate it into, and you just get so frustrated with the lack of, you know, you're rewriting the versus the, and you're going, and I write all the time, but it's that idea of, oh, man, this is not what I... You know, so then uh, this is not my voice, right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. It's this kind of low-budget Marshall McLuhan thing. You know, like you just go, "Oh my God, I'm trying to be a professor, and yet I'm an adjunct at best." Right, and like I, right. You know, but all those little tiny fucked-up voices that come into your head that get in the way. You know, because you were the one that that told me or told somebody else that you write. You, I don't know when. I can't remember when you said it, but you wrote every day. Yeah. I do. Still. You write every day, even Christmas or no? Oh, I'm not nuts about it, particularly with Sophia and Susan. Like, right. I'm happy you, to jettison it. Like you they, used to, but you used to write every single solitary well, day. It's based on. Um, and there's a wonderful book called Lives of the Great Composers, and Stravinsky wrote every day. Like Stravinsky versus Handel, I feel like those are the two. Handel wrote the Messiah in 40 straight days. And Stravinsky wrote every day, six hours a day. He would go into his basement. And it's the idea that somewhere... His basement? Did you say his basement? Yeah. And he had a basement? Right. He had a basement in so, so, so his wife would come in with the laundry? And it's like, Eleanor, really? I'm writing the Firebird Suite. <laughs> the right of spring. Get out of here. Exactly. You know? But he, like, I think I, I could uh, that he he was very OCD about different colored... Stravinsky. For, yeah. Yeah. And, but he created the most unstructured... Right. A gaseous, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. In 1904, there was a revolution when he when it was performed. People are screaming, right? Absolutely, the right to right to I played it for somebody the other day. I played it for my ex girlfriend, 
and she didn't get it. <laughs> um, Mike Ryko told this. No, was it Ryko told the story? No, uh, it was um, it was Studs Terkel telling the story, and uh, he went to Ricardo's. He would go to the Ricardo's, which is this restaurant around the corner from the Tribune building, or maybe you know, around the corner from the Tribune. And all these journalists would come in, you know. The, the reporters would come in. It's like, what's going on? And this one guy came in with this hot, hotsy totsy lady. And uh, he's like in his 50s, he's in his late 50s, and she's in his early 20s. And she was gorgeous. And it's like, his name is G- Jim, and her name is Grace, or whatever it's going to be. Uh, James Grace, Jim Grace. Uh, Grace, Jim, and this lady. His name is Grace, and they're like kissy face and all that. And then uh, Turk starts Turkle sees him like of like a couple months later. It's like, hey, what happened to Grace? And he says, she didn't know the songs. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that that got me. Like at that moment, that this woman went, I don't like Rights of Spring. I'm like, I don't know, this is gonna work out. Yeah. I don't like Coltrane. It seems like all yeah. noise. Can we turn that Coltrane down? Yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. and it go, mm. you stay, Dave, that's, Susan gets the songs. That's exactly it. That's exactly it in a nutshell. Susan gets the songs. Mm-hmm. She gets the songs. Her favorite album is The Who by Numbers. And I've, I've been with enough women that don't get the songs. Right. Where you go, that'll be all right. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> or you go, you know what I want to play? I can't play that, so we'll play this country and western. Oh, my God. No, no, no. Country and western. It's like, oh, can you turn that Charlie Parker down? Okay, you put it something on. All right. Uh, and it's like, if it's not Patsy Cline or like, fuck all those guys. That's a great, that's a wonderful, that's exactly right. I remember we did, speaking of studs, turtles, remember the show studs. Yes. We tried, radio show. tried, tried to do studs as a, you know, studs trickle hosting a dating show. Uh, right. Uh, 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 <laughs> Southside girl from uh, Bridgeport, a, uh, what are your likes and dislikes? <laughs> <laughs> I, for me, I feel like his, his talk show studs, uh, studs, uh, his talk show studs is a major influence on my podcast yeah. and because it's like it's the way that you talk to people it's the knowledge you have of people but he always did this too which is make himself secondary right right i it was uh, from what little i've seen i should clarify but you know i read working but the you know the idea of that we way need I, look i'm reading i know i see that the, we're almost need, done we need a, a side back I mean, yeah. even with dyslexia, I have to plow through it. Yeah. My, I read half hour a day, you know, maybe four or five pages mm-hmm. as the numbers jump around. Mm-hmm. But um, that's what we need, our studs, Turkle, and John Steinbeck, and, those, and Mike Royko, who could distill complicated political theory into accessible stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I also feel like the toothpaste is out of the tube and what the fuck do you do? You know, because those people, who are those people for now? And maybe they're here and we just don't know about it. Uh, When I think about studs, I think about, and I mentioned this a lot on the podcast, this one book that he wrote called Hope Dies Last. And it's about medical people's, because he does oral history. He writes down oral history. And Hope Dies Last. And for me, when I read that book and I was thinking, that's right, Hope Dies Last. You're in the airplane, it's heading towards the ground, and you're still thinking we're going to get out. Yeah. And I look at Hope and I go, fuck Hope. And I'm not saying that in a cynical way. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying is, 
Hope is you on the sidelines wishing that something was going to happen, as opposed to faith or trust. Right. But hope dies last. Where it's like, I really hope that she likes me. It's like, fucking victim. Don't be a victim. <laughs> yeah. And what ends up happening for you and for me was, and this is a major part of what we're talking about, is, is I think that we gave up on hope and realized that we already had it. Yeah, I think that victim thing, too. I think when you see yourself as a victim, you can do hideous shit and not take responsibility. I was taking, teaching a class the other day, and maybe I might have mentioned this too, um, where two, act, two actresses are standing, are, are facing each other. And, uh, and we're, working on, we're working on that, what we're talking about with you and Tim, which is moments of silence, living in the silence, let the scene unfold in the silence. Yeah. And this one woman went, uh, this woman turned her face upstage and went, what was that? And the other woman said, it's a raccoon. And the woman, I don't think that it's a raccoon. And she goes, it's a raccoon. No, 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 I'm pretty sure that wasn't a raccoon. It was a raccoon. It was a raccoon. What do you think it was? I know, I don't know, but I think it was, I don't think it was a raccoon. You know what I think it was? I think it was a serial killer. And this woman, other woman leaned in and went, yeah, Janice, it's a serial killer. She's, he's looking for a victim and you have a victim personality. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like at that moment, I went, oh, right. Victims are looking for predators. Yeah. Predators are looking for victims. Right. So when you call yourself a victim, you're going to find a match. Yeah. It's almost like a signal flare. Clearly. And we hear it just, I mean, I think across the room someone could go, someone could say one thing and attract you, whether it's a victim or whether it's, yeah. but whatever, someone could go say one word and suddenly your, your breath is taken away. And you go, oh, that, that person just said something that pulled me in. Yeah. And who knows why? Because it's all, it's all subdermal. It's all something that happened when we were younger. Yeah. That bu -bu 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 -bu. yeah right. that's there yeah, yeah almost like well what was Freud said that he could have somebody in therapy for twenty years and still not understand the choice they make for a mate that it's so visceral and not cerebral and I have made as you have too <laughs> some fucking choices and now I'm paying I'm at the, I'm at the tail end of that going oh, well, this thing's got to scab over soon it's got to scab over. <laughs> I mean, I was, one of the things with Susan is I'm so grateful for those painful things because I just, every, every moment, like one of the things that Susan does is she is 3.8 times funnier than me. So it's like three, sometimes 4.2, it fluctuates, but that's to me just so wonderful. Right. It's like I've been with people, right. women, and uh, where yes. you kind of go, oh, this is great what I'm saying. You should get this. <laughs> you are so I think I know that woman. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh, you are just so unappreciated. I gotta go. Oh, oh right, the, right, you know. right. Or you say something and they go, Why would you say that? It's like, oh my god, that's not the answer I wanted. That's not the response I wanted at all. That's the anti response that I wanted. No, 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 you're supposed to go, that's clever. What a thing. What a thing to say. Instead of I'm going, oh, Ah, oh, the door just opened, and I was really oh. trying to keep that door closed, but man, the door opened like, two things, two things I remember, like, in, when I was dating in New York, one was, um, but doesn't Ronald Reagan remind you of your dad? Isn't he? And I went, I, well, look at the time. <laughs> I way, it's eight o'clock. I mean, I, ugh. And then the other one was, um, I don't really like Woody Allen. And I went, those were deal breakers. No, I, I, I like I, oh, I got a thing. 
listen, can I drop you somewhere? <laughs> oh, I remember one woman saying, who's Ronald Reagan? And I was like, oh, boy, I'm just fucking stupid. And when I say I'm fucking stupid, I don't mean I'm fucking stupid. What I mean is I'm fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible thing to say, but it's like, I'm fucking stupid. No, don't be stupid. Um, and then there was another one. I'm total, this is totally not, this is not safe for work. But she went, how can I have trouble having an orgism? I'm like, oh, it's time to go. And it reminds me of that Woody Allen movie where he and Annie, Woody Allen, Annie Hall, where, where they're taking out the lobster and they're going, oh, and they're having oh, fun with the, it. The and then the back. second scene with the, with the, I don't know, just throw it in. You give up smoking? <laughs> what? Are you kidding? Right. How long? When did you quit smoking? 16 years ago. What? Did, are you, are you, are you kidding? Oh. But that, where you go, they don't know the song. They right. don't know the song. And also the look on his face. What do I mean? Like that moment of like right. just complete blanching right. of right. mean? Right. You know? Oh, he, that fucker nails it so many times. Yeah. He nails it. Crimes and Misdemeanors is probably one of my favorite, top four favorite movies. Match Point, too. Like, yeah, Match Point is the same movie. The, yeah. It's <laughs> really the same movie. They, and then what the recent somebody was saying every four movies, bang, like the greatest thing, but... Even like um, Midnight in Paris, the idea of not being present, like those guys wishing that it was 1880. Right. Oh, my God, that was right. so wonderful. Right. That was so wonderful. Right. You have no idea you're in the middle of, you know, the whatever, the lost generation wants to be. Yes. Yeah, you know. Right. Just, right. But don't you feel that when we were at I.O., don't you feel that when we were, I, I, got, I feel that where we were when we were there, 80, 80, you know, 84, 85, 86, 78, 89, you know, there's that, that, that Facebook page, uh, Chicago Theater, 90, 80, 1984, 1994, yeah, 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 yeah. and that 10-year period, Michael, was so substantial yeah. in not just, you know, the theater in general, but so many people, they found their voice during that time, yeah, or they yeah. found their love during God, that time. I, when I was an intern... Thank God for Joyce At Second Sloan. City. Yeah. Uh, Which also, David Miner was an intern. Yes, he was. Jesus, I hope he did okay. Yeah, he. I, I feel like with David, <laughs> I took a thorn out of a cub's paw, and I was growing into this. <laughs> I just keep expecting to run into him at the Coliseum. <laughs> right. Oh, so anyway, the intern. No, um, uh, Joyce just was hip enough to go, producer, Second City. you should see this. Balman Gilead. Right. Steppenwolf. Right. I'm so phenomenally grateful right. that she went, I was two days in town, and she went, Michael. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, yeah. And Balm and Gilead changed, fucking changed everything. And we were around for that time, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were around for that time. Yeah, St. Nicholas and then Steppenwolf. And, Remains and then, Theater and, what, and, and Organic Theater and all these theaters. And so that fed into one of the reasons that I think not to give myself too much credit, one of the reasons that L.A. was so unpleasant is we've been to that, we've had that sumptuous feast. Like, you know how good it could be. Right. So it makes, you know, you've been to this banquet. Right. So it makes Kentucky Fried Chicken not, you can't pretend it's that. Right. You know, you were, you were in the middle of the West Bank. But you really want to pretend it's that. I know. You know, you really and want you to can. go. Like I used to, t I can fake it for about five or six weeks. Right. And then there'll be that moment when I'm on staff and I go, really? Right. You know, like I, part of me leaks out with, you're kidding, right? Right. You know, that, that moment of like, 
<laughs> what do you say? Right. You know, we're <laughs> snap, right? <laughs> uh, it always trickling out of my ear. This is in the background right now. Would play uh, Janet Lee's "Is That All There Is?" <laughs> and then there's a fire. Is that all there is to a fire? The circus. Is that all there is? Drop the soap. Is that all there is, my friend? You're working on staff. Right. A parking space. Look, they give me lunch. Exactly. Uh, right. A drive-on. Well, I can't then, believe then it. The other thing is we have heroes like William Faulkner, mm -hmm. and I put this in my screenplay actually was he they would give him notes and he would repeat in his head they pay me on friday they pay me on friday they pay me on friday right which you now suddenly or i experienced that pain yep you know i get it right you know, sound in the fury shut up right you know? <laughs> no it's 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 a young man's game and then you suddenly become old and what i mean by that where you go Oh, I, don't, I wanted that when I was younger, right. but now I'm realizing my soul is gone. Right. Or I have no vision. Or I have vision and I feel like I can't fucking move. Well, what if you moved? What if you moved? What if you got up and said, you know what's not working? All of this. Right. And you know, when you can take a moment to go, what do I need to do? Oh, leave. Right, right. right. It's getting divorced. Right. It's this, that divorce, Michael, that where you've done it, I've done it, where you go, one day you go, no more. Yeah. No more. I can't talk yeah, to many yeah. people about that. Or maybe I can. Where you go, no more. Uh, no more. This has to end. And at that moment, you've made somebody very, very fucking upset. Right. But you go, I, no more. I can't fake it. Yeah, that, I remember. And it's funny about, because in both of my divorces, I was trying to keep it together mm -hmm. and hope does last oh, yeah well you hope that there's a, a there's a sentence that you go you know what there's 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 these word things called words and there's these things called punctuation marks and what we're going to do is i'm going to look through all the words and i'm going to put them together so i can form a sentence to tell you for you to be able to go oh why didn't you say that yeah, yeah. like a diamond cutter somehow yes crack open this yes you know piece of coal yeah i go oh why didn't you show me that earlier but i cut you off because i was no, really no, excited I, I was the it's the the heartbreak of going uh, i'm done like there is a moment there are some like similar to leaving second city and like my time has passed the guys i'm with have gone you know the people i identify with even the audiences are different they're laughing at different things right uh you know because one of my favorite moments was coming out of when Bush was elected, the first Bush was elected, and we were in ETC, and the audience had this kind of, Chicago Democratic audience had this thing about not more of this, you know, so the, we, you know, responding to their suggestions, we did a somewhat political show, and that was just, but that's the time, right. that moment. Right. And then other times come along, and, but I, yeah, that's also with the ebb and flow of, of relationships, too, and I, I mean, I, I feel like, um, Getting back to what Odenkirk alluded to and kind of what we were talking about is just the excitement of... Uh, another one is Bobcat Goldthwait, mm -hmm. who said, I quit. And then I started to direct these movies. Mm -hmm. Like, in terms of that Joseph Campbell thing of Follow Your Bliss, it's like, what can I do? Here's the thing about stuff you like. It's a fucking roadmap to what you should be doing. You're getting a sense of the topography of your mind based on what you like. So that's a really good example. Like, and it's not, I mean, let's pump the mysticism out of it. Like, I could never do that. Maybe I could. You know, maybe, like, I'm back in Chicago. I couldn't be happier. 
maybe I'll do little movies about Chicago. Right. That I'm proud of, that my friends like. Harold Ramis used to do, say, I make movies for my friends. Right. What a great MO to like just please my friends. Right. Who are some of the brightest people I've ever met, you know, in the in, in terms of this world. Right. Some of our friends are not bad in terms of <laughs> you can make them laugh. Right. That's not, and, that's not like your neighbor. Right. No, and it's not like no, it's not like your dad's friend, which is fine too. But yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. I made my friends laugh. Yeah, yeah, hysterical. One of my memories of you, I, have to, I was thinking about this yesterday, is in Kilkenny when. Uh, John Capolos was singing Your Fault, mm -hmm. and he was going on and on. If you grabbed a ladder from backstage at the Watergate and set it up on stage and started to change the light, <laughs> that killed me. When I was back in, in Kilkenny, I remember looking at the Watergate going, because you came out in, in a t-shirt, and you, like, you had somebody else, I think we may have Dan Castellaneta was like pointing to something, and you were like up on the ladder. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh my God, I totally forgot about that. There's so much I've forgotten. Oh, there's so much well, I've that, forgotten. Yeah, Kilkenny was just summer camp for us. I, I wish I could have kept doing it, but I had to kind of realize that if I kept doing it, I would just become very good at creating outdoor events in Ireland, which is a fairly narrow market. Very narrow, very narrow market. And we wouldn't have had this conversation. <laughs> um, all right, let's end there. Thank Great. you so much, Thank man. you. That was a blast. Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on Dave, you can go to his website at www.davidrosowski.com or follow Dave on Twitter at drosowski.